Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. I'm going to introduce your speaker, at least for the first portion. And he's going to be speaking on Gideon. He has been saved since uh, he was 20 years old, which is about 40 or 50 years ago. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> on the serious side, um, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's been through about seven months of Leslie's Train the Prophets, and he has wonderful things to say about it, as everybody that goes through it really likes it. So I encourage you to, even if you're not trained to be a prophet, just trained to be a minister. We'll encourage you to go to traintheprophets.com or prophecyclub.com and get set, signed up for it. It's April 21 through 24. Traintheprophets.com or prophecyclub.com. And he's going to be speaking on Gideon. Help me welcome Dwight Moore. Good morning. Uh Spirit of Prophecy Church, everyone here, hello, and everyone uh, joining us uh, via video. I'm happy to be here, and I do want to say a um, quick note on the um, prophet training with Prophet Leslie and Prophet Soon-Hee and, and Lou. Um, someone told me uh, years ago, you know, when you, as you start to go deeper with the Lord, and as you're feeding yourself spiritually, there's a big difference between chicken food and eagle food, and get the eagle food. So that's what, we're, that's what we're eating in this training is eagle food. It's, um, it's really, it's been an incredible experience. So, but as uh, Pastor Stan said, today I'll be speaking on Gideon. And um, so how this, how this, this, this uh, presentation ties back into the prophet training as we are going through an exercise one day, we were um, meditating and praying on uh, what story or what uh, part of scripture we felt God lead us to talk about and understand and and sure enough it was Gideon for me and as I've uh, gained a better understanding of this story and who Gideon is and how God used him and what was happening in that time with the Israelites I've really found a lot of parallels with Gideon in my own personal story which I'll share as we go through this and then not just my you know parallel with say Gideon but then also the parallel of what was going on with the Israelites and uh, what's happening today in you know the world and specifically the United States. So we'll jump right in. Um, so what I, I really wanted to, as I was uh, digging through and, and researching this, is wanted to create the visual of the, of the timeline. So I, as as people, uh, I, I say we have short-term memories sometimes, and we forget a week ago or a year ago, and God's constantly having to teach us uh, the same lesson multiple multiple times okay thank you yeah mic up um so here we can see is um right here so jews in egypt and then right here this is where moses um the exodus and god delivered the jews from the uh egyptians and performed that incredible miracle and we can see though you know the 40 years that they had to wander so god delivers them and then they're wandering in the desert and so these great and magical things, or not magical, wonderful things that we're seeing. And then, uh, but then here we kind of get into this uh, season of the judges. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting as humans, you know, we, even though God does incredible things in our lives, we're constantly needing to be corrected, reminded, and taught, um, you know, to stay focused and, and live for God. I'm working on this guy. 
So as I keep uh, working on the clicker here, to the right, yeah, there we go. Okay, so we now understand the timeline, where kind of we're at in relation to, you know, uh, being, being in Egypt and being delivered and uh, wandering in the desert. And so the Israelites, um, uh, after that, uh, there was a period of time where um, they were not doing things pleasing in the Lord. So we're looking at Judges chapter 6. And it tells us in the scripture that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them unto the hand of the Midian for seven years. So he allowed them to be overtaken by the Midians uh, because God has a purpose for everything that he does. And, and through this, allowed them to basically just destroy their cattle, their crops, their livelihoods, their ability to take care of themselves. And so here are the Israelites God's chosen people, and in this land, the Midianites would come in, and they would absolutely just ravage the place. And so um, they're hiding, and they're very secretive about where they try to grow their crops, and they're doing everything um, just very, very delicately because they're trying to preserve what they can uh, against the Midianites. And they're not able to, to live free and to be bold. And so, you know, as we look at these parallels, you know, we can say, hey, we, we aren't as able to be as free vocally as maybe we were in the past. So we can kind of look at how that's similar. So through the story, we have the character Gideon. And so God has specifically chosen Gideon. And, and at this time, um, you know, Gideon, he's out, by a, uh, he's out thrashing or prepping uh, the crop kind of hiding away from the Midianites, a little timid, a little scared. And so um, as we see it, God sends an angel down to Gideon. Um, and so as Gideon's talking to this angel, um, I'll read past that. Um, the angel appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. So as they're having this conversation, I find this very interesting. So the angel speaking to Gideon, who's literally hiding, says, the Lord is with thee, thy mighty man of valor. Valor means, you know, bravery, courage. Um, and so you can, we can pause and think, you know, is the angel have a sense of humor? God have a sense of humor? I certainly believe he does. But more importantly, I think what he's saying here is prophetic. He's speaking. He is speaking into his life what is to come. Even though Gideon doesn't understand that at the time because he's timid, he's afraid. And, you know, and as I explained earlier, as I look at Gideon and my story, you know, if I rewind back, you know, in my early 20s and my, uh, you know, and I was, I was low. I was not doing things pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And, uh, you know, my confidence, I was just beat down. And so, but God, through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, chose me, picked me up, saved me. And with that willingness, I've allowed, has allowed me to serve him. And that's such a great and mighty thing to be able to do. So then Gideon says unto the, uh, unto the angel, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all of this befallen us? So he's, he's kind of confused. God, God, you love us. You saved us, but why are you allowing this to happen? But we know earlier it's because they were doing things that were not pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Um, and so then we finish this up. It says, The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites, have not I sent thee. So, wow. 
How, I mean, that's got to take a minute to absorb. So here he is hiding low, and then he tells him he's a mighty man of valor. And not only that, he tells him, through you, I am going to save the Israelites or deliver the Israelites from the Mennonites. That's, that's big. So, you know, for us, how is God calling us? How is God choosing to speak into us to, be, to work for him and to serve his kingdom? But like, but, but like all of us, you know, Gideon is a human, and so he's needing a sign. Wow, God, okay, this is too big to be true. I need you to confirm this to me. And remind you, he is talking to an angel. So I don't know how many of you guys have sat and talked to an angel, but I have not. I feel like if I was, that would be pretty confirming for me. But that was not enough for Gideon. He needed a sign. So he said, the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff. So what he's asking for is, I need, I need another sign. And he touched the flesh, so like a piece of meat um, and, and a piece of bread on a rock, a fire rose up. So he places a piece of meat, he places a piece of bread on a rock, and an angel touches with the end of the stick, and it burns and is consumed. So he gets that, he gets that sign. Okay, so Gideon still needs more convincing. I'm, it must be if he were thinking in his mind that he says, okay, you're going to use me to defeat the Midianites, I know they have an army of over 130,000 people. So this is a lot. This is a lot for me to process. So he needs more signs. So he uh, requires God put out uh, dew on a fleece. So a fleece, say like uh, the the coat of a sheep's wool. Right. Thank you. So he puts out some sheep's wool, lays it out on the ground. Put the dew. God put the dew on the sheep's wool or the fleece instead of the ground. So God does. He goes through that three different times do on the fleece next time do on the ground and not the fleece and then once more so Gideon cannot deny that he is hearing from God he knows exactly what God is wanting him to do so here it is he begins the process he steps out in faith and he gets to work so one of the first things that God has Gideon do as um, cleaning up the land and helping them be delivered is to destroy the idols so it talks about here um uh, and throw down the altar of Baal. And so I find that also very fascinating because of, we look at you know, the uh, worship of Baal in present day, uh, the cow god. And what I've always found interesting is when I was looking at some pictures one day, we have the huge bronze bull in front of Wall Street. So here we are worshiping a cow god, which is Wall Street. Which, you know, so it's kind of interesting how, how these things, Baal has been around, these idols. Uh, so he destroys the uh, altar of Baal, and uh, now he was a little afraid at the time, so he did it out in the middle of the night. It angered the people, uh, but he was, he was faithful, and he, he did what he was asked to do by God. And that's what started it, is we've got to tear down the idols, and we have to rebuild in the, the way God wants us. Amen. Amen. So then... We know that there's Midianites. There's over 130,000 of those Midianite soldiers in the land. So then uh, God has raised up Gideon to build an army. And so he's able to get, I believe, around 100. Uh, I, don't, I think he gets around maybe 100,000. or uh, It was going to be a four-to-one ratio at one point, uh, Gideon's army to the Midianites. And, but God has a few tests that he wants to, to perform on Gideon. Um, as we saw Gideon asking earlier. So first he makes uh, Gideon send anyone home who is afraid. And so after that, I think they had like maybe 30,000. So 22,000 of those 
people that originally had showed up went home because they were afraid. So then that leaves him 10,000 people to fight against. So now we're at about a 10 to 1, 11 to 1 odds here. And then that's not it. God says, I want every one of them to go down and I want them to take a drink, as we can see here. And so we can see that some of them are are, uh, bending down, facing the water, lapping up similar to like an animal, a deer, a dog. Uh, And then there's those that are bringing the water to their face. You know, and there's probably many, many different uh, interpretations of how God was, um, what he was looking for in that. But one is, is that their head is up, they're alert, they're paying attention. So instead of looking down and not paying attention, they're looking up. Also believe it has a lot to do with the condition of their heart. The 300 that, that brought the water to their mouth had the heart prepared to go to battle. So that left, after that test, left 300 men. So here's a quick look at the geography here. So here are the Midianites camped in this valley. And then uh, we, uh, Gideon separates the 300 into different groups. And they're on the top of the ridges around this valley. So Midianites are down here camped around 130,000 of them. Gideon and his army of 300 are up here. And he breaks them up into different groups. And so at this point, it's, I think, 400-something, so say 425 to 1. Those are, in, in, horrible. Those are horrible odds. <laughs> and so, um, but, but God has been lifting up, and he has been encouraging, and he has been showing that he is faithful to Gideon. So Gideon breaks them up. He gives them each a torch that then they hide into a clay pot and gives them a trumpet. And so as they disperse across the top of this valley, Uh, in different groups, when the signal is given, I I believe it's somewhere after, say, 10 p.m. at the uh, first night watch. And so the Midianites have been asleep, probably kind of deep in their sleep at that point. And they break the jars, they shine their torches, they blow their trumpets, and they they scream shouts of uh, war cries. And um, through that, um, the Midianites wake up startled, they see this, they think that each torch represents a company or a rough, uh, you know, a sword of the Lord of Gideon. Gideon. So they don't, they don't think it's just 300. They think it's, is it three, 30, 300,000 maybe? Probably. Something like that. And so then there's immediate confusion. And so they wake up and they just start stabbing each other because they don't know who is who. And they just start. So God put confusion in the camp. And they, all they did at that point was watch God's power defeat the Midianites as they were faithful, blew their trumpets. And then, um, as we saw in the earlier, they ran them all the way down and chased them out of there. And, um, but I find it just incredibly, incredibly powerful that God, in his grace and mercy and, and power, can pick the lowliest of the low, rise them up, and it doesn't happen overnight. He puts, puts, puts those people through a series of tests and experiences, uh, but then will use them to defeat the most mighty armies um, and God be the glory um, in, those, in, those, um, in those examples. So um, thank you for letting me speak to you guys about Gideon today, and um, be, be blessed. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a great job. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm Barb Connors. I'm here to do my uh, favorite story of God's intervention, and that ties into my own intervention in my life. And I'm blessed to do that, and I hope you are.
um, touched by that by the Holy Spirit, that it works a, a work in your heart. So my story is about the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, let me go through here. So first, I just want to give a little backstory. What was all this controversy about Samaria? Because if you read the New Testament, you hear that, well, the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. Well, why was that? It's a long, long story. Um, it started by the split of Israel into two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdoms, because of sin. It's always because of sin. They weren't obedient to God. Solomon did some pretty bad things, and God said, okay, no more United Kingdom. We're splitting you in half. So there was a northern kingdom, ten tribes, and that was called Israel. It gets a little confusing. This is where the, the Bible gets a little confusing if you don't kind of lock this in. And it was also uh, known as Ephraim. And the capital of that uh, region was Samaria. And then there was a southern kingdom, which is where Jeru Jerusalem was. And those were two tribes. It was um, called Judah. So the southern kingdom was Judah. The northern kingdom was Israel. And here you can see a picture um, of what it looks like. Now, at that time of the split, there were two kings. The king of um, Judah was Rehoboam, and the king of Israel was Jeroboam. Very similar names. But you can see the region. You can see that the northern kingdom went all the way past the Sea of Galilee, all the way up in Nazareth and Capernaum and all those towns that you hear of in the New Testament. So what happened? The Samaritans chose Mount Gerizim as their holy mountain. They decided that was going to be the place they're going to worship because long history, um, Abraham built an altar there. And when Moses was given instructions in Deuteronomy, that was the mountain that was going to be the mountain of blessings. And the other mountain, Mount Ebal, was a mountain of curses. And that was to, to reaffirm the covenant between the um, Israelites and God. And so they see this mountain as, wow, that's a mountain of blessing. This is going to be the mountain, right? So when Joshua takes them through, and they're coming through between those two mountains, when Shechem was in the middle, that was the plain city. Um, they had the blessings and the curses. The tribes split up. Six of the tribes went to Mount Jerizim. Six went to Mount Ebal. And Moses read out the, the blessings if you obey. And here are the curses if you obey. Okay? So that was the beginning of it. The next part of this is through the history of the northern kingdom, they were limited to just the first five books of the Bible. I want you to think about that. If you only had the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through um, Joshua, what would you know? You'd be missing the prophets. You'd be missing the Psalms. You'd be missing the history, the historical accounts, the chronicles. You'd be missing all of that knowledge. And surely the prophets, my goodness. So they had a very limited understanding of the Holy Scripture compared to um, the southern kingdom because they had the whole council of God's word at that time, which was the Old Testament. So this was, um, there was some other history behind that. Um, they really started fighting with each other once they were split up. They, you know, they called out to each other, come to my aid. No, I'm not coming to your aid. Or I'm going to tear down your temple. <laughs> 
the southern kingdom tore down the northern kingdom's temple in Jerusalem, and that, that caused a lot of heartache and heartbreak. So the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And this even goes further than this. As you know that um, both kingdoms had to go into captivity. God punished them for their uh, worship of pagan gods. And they caved. Now in Samaria, this whole region, the Canaan region was given to God's people. And they were supposed to go in and conquer those people. Did they? No. Did they follow the instructions of the Lord? No. This was a very bad place, guys. This was a place of giants. It was a spiritually evil and wicked place where in the second heaven, there was a ruling over those places by fallen angels. That was their territory. And God said, no, that's going to be my my children's territory. You're going to go in. You're going to take ground. And you're going to keep it. And you're going to do it the way I say so that you can keep it. But they didn't. It took a couple But then they started letting people in. Oh, we don't want to kill them. Why don't we just make them pay us taxes? And so what happened was the wickedness stayed and spread. And eventually the culture influenced the people living there. When you invite uh, pagan cultures in, you're inviting trouble. This is what happened, okay? So the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were taking over, taken over by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians were horrible, horrible. They were the worst of the worst. If you're going to be taken captive by the Assyrians, know this, that they cut off legs, they cut off arms, they poked out eyes, they put heads all around. They wrote a big edict of all the curses you're going to incur against their gods, Ishtar and Lil. Asher, Moloch, okay, these are all their entities that they worshipped. The Queen of Heaven and Osiris. Does that sound familiar? Very bad stuff, okay? So this is kind of the background of this. So the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated the Jews. Um, They were despised. They were considered worse than dogs. I mean, there's Gentiles, and then there's Samaritans. (laughs) They were low. They were the lowest. And as such, whenever um, the Jews had to go anywhere, they would not go through Samaria. They took the long way around. And the region of Samaria actually blocked the travel. If you were in the north and you were a Jew and you wanted to make your um, trip to Jerusalem for the three mandated feasts, they had to cross the river twice. They went the whole way around. If you look at that red line, instead of going straight through, They made it their business to cross a river twice. I don't know if you've ever crossed a river. How many of you have ever tried to forge a river? Let me tell you, if the water is even up to your knees and the current's any bit strong, you're doing this. You're getting knocked over, and you're getting wet, and, you know, you're carrying your supplies. And I mean, this is extreme, very extreme. So the Jews went the whole way around on every trip they made to Jerusalem. If they lived in the north, lived in Nazareth, lived in Galilee, Capernaum, Okay, this is how much they hated Samaria. So now we get to our story. We got a little background. Here's the woman at the well. It was a multi-level mission. Jesus had just come off uh, his first Passover and for his ministry. Okay, he had changed the uh, water into wine at, at Canaan, right? 
He went south, and he took the normal route. He went the whole way around to get to Jerusalem for Passover, where he overturned the money tables, made kind of a hit. There was no, you know, no going through, you know, and around and about. Jesus hit it head on. Then he talked to Nicodemus in the night. And after Passover, he and his disciples, the disciples baptized more um, disciples than John the Baptist did and got the attention of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So <clears throat> this mission of going to Samaria was a multi-level mission because the 10 tribes of, of the Northern Kingdom were forgotten. They were lost. And God made them a promise of salvation, okay? But they were not forgotten by God. Even though the Jews in, in um, Israel... In Jerusalem thought, hey, you Samaritans, you're, you're a lost cause. No, God didn't forget his promise. This was a cancel culture mission as well. I love using that word for this. Because of the deep-seated hatred between the two groups, right? It was a notice of spiritual war. Now, if Jesus is going through Samaria and he announces that, what in the world do you think is going on in the second heaven? Those angels and demons are going, what? Jesus is coming? They had to be in a panic. I want to see this. When I, when I get to heaven, I want that replay. I want to see who was doing this. Like, what are we going to do? Jesus is coming through. This is our territory. And he wasn't supposed to be here. And, you know, they thought they had it sewn up. Yeah, we totally messed up those 10 tribes. They're gone. We got them. We got them hard. And they, there's no way they're going to get salvation. They're going to hell. And lastly... Lastly, this was a divine appointment for one specific woman, okay? So a four-pronged mission. Jesus, boy, he left no stone unturned. Okay, so Jesus was in Jerusalem. He's at the bottom in Bethlehem. Um, he was just baptizing, and he left Judea, and he's going to depart back to Galilee, which is in the north. Then we think, okay, he's going to cross the river and do all that good stuff. But no, John 4, 4 says, and he must needs go through Samaria. Okay, right about now, his disciples are going, what? <laughs> okay, he's lost his mind. And they're probably thinking to themselves, oh, wait a second, maybe it's because the Pharisees and Sadducees are really mad at him. And so he's going to go hide. He's going to go through Samaria and kind of get away where they can't find him because they're not going to go chase him in Samaria. They're not going to go there. That's on unholy territory, right? So he takes a direct route. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He does not back down. Jesus hits it straight on. So he arrives about noon to Jacob's well, and it's a little city called Sihar. Um, and I'll read the scripture. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sihar, near um, to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied on his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour, which is about noon. Okay? Now you can see this area of Sihar is very close to Mount Jerusalem and Mount Ebal and Shechem. So it's about noontime. It's hot. There's some uh, interesting parallels here. What does the name Sihar mean? It means to be hired or to be drunk. And people often were paid in food or drink, okay, or salt. 
Um, coins were not, you know, the common wage at that point. So interesting, interesting idea, to be drunk or to be hired. So I'm going to ask you, were you paying attention? What time is it in Samaria? You might say noon, but it was divine appointment time. <laughs> so trust in God's timing. He's got his timing. And you know what's really wild? His disciples actually left him there. This is a dangerous place. I mean, they hated each other. And how they got convinced to go shopping, which is what they did. They went shopping for food. And they left Jesus at the well. So I guess when the master says, no, you go, I'll stay. They, they obey. So the big moment arrives. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, hey, give me water. Wait a second. Jesus is talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. This is unheard of. Rabbis did not do that. And that's what she's thinking. She knows this. So he's breaking down some man-made rules here. Rabbis don't talk to women in public. They don't talk to Samaritans ever. And this woman's even of poor reputation. He already knows that. This is how rumors get started. Okay? What about his reputation? Man, he's eating with taxpayer. Oh, my goodness. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Now, I want to tell you that only the Gospel of John tells this story. And that's kind of interesting because John got smacked down by Jesus for something later on about Samaria. So I think he took it to heart and included this in the gospel. So Jesus tells her of the living water he has to offer. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. Wait, no, I think I skipped something here. Hold on a second. What? Okay. All right. Um, let me tell you a little bit about this woman real quick. The woman coming to get water at noon, there is something wrong. See, the women traveled together, and they usually went in the cool of the day. And if you know anything about women, and I do, <laughs> we travel together in groups. We go to the bathroom in groups. We go, you know, whatever. And when you are not popular or you are somebody that they don't like, we don't get to go with them in groups. It's a very harsh thing. Well, this woman didn't travel in groups with other women. Now, why? We can only think why. There's something wrong. So Jesus tells this woman of the living water he has to offer. He says, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a water of well, a well of water springing up unto everlasting life. So he's saying, you drink this water natural water you're always going to thirst but the water i'll give you will give you everlasting life now this woman was a seeker she was thirsty in two ways she needed her physical water but she also was seeking she says wow i perceive you a prophet this is kind of skipping around i don't know why it's doing that she says to jesus and i'll fill it in um he says, go get your husband and come. And I will, um, she says, I want this living water. What do I do? He said, go bring your husband. And she says, I have no husband. Okay, and this is where Jesus hooks her. This is where he, <laughs> he holds up the mirror of the Ten Commandments to her. And, and in such a way that, that 
is not mean or rude, but it, it gets to her heart. And he says, thou hast said, well, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And the one you're with now, he's not your husband. So he's saying in a nice way, you know, you're living in sin. You've got some problems. And I want to point that out to you. I want to point out to you your need for me. So when she perceives all of this, that he's a prophet, and he's told her everything, like how in the world did he know that? Jews don't know anything about the Samaritans. How would he know this? He has to be a prophet. So she perceives him as a prophet, and she says, you know what? I'm going to ask him to settle this dispute, because if he's really from God, he's going to know the answer to the whole which mountain is the right place. So she says it. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Mount Jerusalem, And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And I love Jesus' answer to this. He's so, so wonderful. He answers the question and then some. He says, where you worship, ye worship what you know not. So he's basically telling her, if you could see the spiritual entities that you are giving worship to, you would be floored. She's in pagan practice. She's not worshiping the God of the Bible. Okay? We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So they know that they're worshiping God. The Jews do. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So he's telling her, hey, look, it doesn't matter where you're going to be worshiping, this mountain or that. What matters is you worship God and that you accept me as your Lord and Savior. Spirit and truth. He is the truth. Amen. It's not going to be a place, lady. He's nicely saying, well, your question is wrong. This is not the right question to ask. The question is, who are you worshiping? Right? Messiah will settle this question when she comes. See, she was spiritually thirsty. Now, how could she know with just five books of the Bible? She said to him, I know... Because she's getting a little defense. I know that when Messiah comes, which is called Christ, when he has come, he will tell us all things. So she said, hey, I got, I got a little bit of a clue. Uh, you know, and how did she know that? She was thirsty. She was thirsty for Christ. She knew she was looking for the Messiah. God put that on her. Somehow she knew it. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. She was the first person he told that to, point blank. This broken down, sinning, Samaritan, despised woman. He told her. And she dropped her water pot and ran. She ran to the town. She was blown away and excited and overjoyed. He's here. Messiah is here. And he told me he came to me, little old me. She was blown away. She became used. See, she was a broken vessel. She was into all the wrong things, but she was seeking the Lord. She was seeking the Lord in her own way, even in, in, in a pagan place, doing the wrong stuff in a sinful life. God can reach you. God can reach you. Before Jesus, she was a social outcast. Five husbands came to the well alone. She was living in sin. 
but she was spiritually thirsty, even though she was misguided and off track. She knew the Messiah would come. So what an intervention story for this woman. And he used her mightily for that town. So she became the key to saving many, many people. For two days he stayed there. And after Jesus, she was redeemed. She became an evangelist in her own town. She was drinking living water because she knew who she was worshiping, Jesus. So this is similar to my story. I was thirsty. My intervention story of the day I received the gospel, uh, hallelujah, it was a glorious day. It was a glorious evening, and I was at a well. I was in a bar. Hallelujah. <laughs> I wasn't in Sunni's bar, <laughs> but I was thirsty. Maybe I was thirsty for some things I shouldn't have been. I can identify with this. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is for you folks out there thinking, oh, you know, everyone stands up and teaches them this and that. No, we're all broken vessels. We're, we all have sin. I can identify with this woman. I had two failed marriages. I was having sex outside of marriage, just like she was. I thought a relationship with a man was the solution to all my problems. You could tell that's what she was doing. I was spiritually thirsty, but I was misguided. I was believing all paths lead to God. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Let me do some tarot cards. Right? Let me look at my, my horoscope for today. I love Jesus. Right? I was spiritually misguided. I didn't know what I was worshiping. He showed me later on what I was worshiping. I have a testimony for that later. So at this place, at this divine place, this appointment I had, this man I was dating, he didn't like me like I liked him, and he was breaking up with me in the bar. And then he preached the gospel to me. <laughs> and, you know, I say this lightly, but I mean it. God can make a donkey talk to, to Balaam. He used this man to talk to me. So... You can spread the gospel wherever you are, whatever the condition, you can have sin. You know, this man was a sinner just like me. He told me the gospel and actually was the perfect timing. It was God's timing because I was broken. I was like, I am done with men. I am done with having my heart trampled. I am done with it. And the gospel, the power of the gospel, it's amazing. So I went home, and I, I considered those words. And when he, was, when he was telling me the gospel, I was shaking inside. I was like, there was this quaking, like, uh, you know, probably the devil going, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> you know? So I went home, and I meditated and prayed, and it just rolled in my heart and my spirit. I said, Lord, I want to do it your way. I want to be yours. I'm tired of this. I'm done. I want to do it your way, Lord. So... The Holy Spirit came in, and this is really wild, and I'll tell you this why it's wild. Um, I, have no, I had no training in terms of what you should do when you accept the Lord as your master of your life, right? And what the Holy Spirit put in my heart the very next day was, send an email to that woman at your former work who was a Christian and tell her you accepted Jesus. I was all excited. I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell so-and-so I accepted Jesus my Lord and Savior because I know. She came back. She said, I've been praying for you all this time. 
You know how many people are praying for you or were praying for you? Keep praying for those who are lost because it will make a difference. It, it, it makes a way in the heavenlies. It really does. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. So I got that, you know, you're supposed to witness to someone that you accepted the Lord's. It came naturally because it was the Holy Spirit was there. So after making Jesus the Lord of my life and my Savior, I was changed. I had joy. My shame was gone. And that's a big one. <laughs> it was crucified on this right here. Hallelujah. I no longer looked to find the man of my dreams to make me feel whole because Jesus was actually that person. And that freed me to find the man of my dreams, which is sitting over there. And God put us together, by the way, the day I swore I'd never. Lord, if you want me to be single the rest of my life, I'm good. I'll be celibate, la, 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 and come along, Chuck, there, you know, meet my husband. That's the way it works. And thank you, God, for that. Thank you, Father. So praise the Lord. Remember, salvation can take place anytime, anywhere. Don't worry about those circumstances. Preach the gospel, okay? Um, we can all be used for his glory and purpose, and don't be shy. Oh, these are my backup slides. So that's, that's my presentation. Praise the Lord. I hope that this doesn't work. And thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Wait a minute, you're not done. Uh -oh. Did she do good? Yeah. She did real good. Now, I want to ask you some questions. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay, so Leslie's got this train the prophets coming up. Mm -hmm. And they've probably been watching people, praying, and then now we have different people come up and speak at Spirit of Prophecy Church. How has Train the Prophets helped you to do what you just did? Oh, <clears throat> it's helped tremendously. Um, just the, the training, the background, the... Um, Dwight? It gives me confidence. Um, it also gives me depth. It gives me humility. Uh, just being with my brothers and sisters in Christ and having the mentors that we have um, and the, that confidence that if I'm going to go step sideways in some way, I'm going to be pulled back. I'm not going to go off course because they're helping us along and developing us and saying, here's, you know, you could do this better. You're doing this great. That's very important. We have to have that, that training, that leadership. Um, we have to be discipled. If you're not discipled, you are not going to achieve what God needs you to do. So would you recommend they get signed up and come to Absolutely, yes. It's going to be awesome. What if they it's live a long way off? Come anyway. Find a way. <laughs> I like that look on her face. Like, find a way. So? God will find a way. Yeah, he'll get you there. He'll get you there, sure. Yeah. Now stay there. Now what do you say? So step over here to the center. Get on camera. Okay, so what do you say about this train the prophets? One of the things here recently um, that has you know been impressed upon me is the way that we're being trained and mentored is through practical application, and through that process, it's opening in our eyes and helping us realize the authority that has been given to us by God. So we can activate that authority and we can practice that authority and we can claim territory and we can have the victory through God. And, um, and without that practical application and those exercises, you don't fully understand it. And it's a process, but that every yeah. time we do it, mm -hmm. you grow in that uh, capacity. So, it's, so it's taking you to a level you would not have reached by yourself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No question. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So now is it sure. only for prophets? 
uh, past, yeah, any, you know, many, you know, we all have called, we've all been called to some way, or there's many that have been called, and this is a way to respond to that call and learn how to step into that calling, whether yeah. it's a prophet or pastor or um, evangelist. Mm -hmm. So, someone says, should have come to the train of the prophets? Absolutely. 100%. And how do, you, how do they get signed up? Traintheprophets.com. Or prophecyclub.com. Go to where? Traintheprophets.com. Or prophecyclub.com. And it's worth it to come? Absolutely. Do you want to live? No, I mean. You Amen. <laughs> come yeah. with me if you want to live. Uh, yeah. oh, that's awesome. <laughs> April 21st. April Yes. April 21st through April 24th. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Right. Yeah. So go to traintheprophets.com or prophecyclub.com. Be there every square, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't miss it. Yeah. Don't miss it. Amen. Thank you. Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. It's Palm Sunday, so we're so happy to have all of you join us. Next week is actually Resurrection Sunday, and I encourage all of you to come. Uh, we're going to have one service. It'll start at 10.30, so please be here 10 o'clock-ish if you'd like to, to come and, and just have fellowship with one another, and we'll start right at 10.30. So that's next Sunday. Everybody say one service only next Sunday. Thank you, this side over here, Brandon specifically. So Brandon will be here on time, right? You get to sleep in a little bit, hey, you know. He'll get to sleep in. The rest of you didn't pay attention, so you will not get to sleep in. No, it's going to be <laughs> one service starts at 10.30. A couple of announcements right quick. So my beautiful granddaughter here, Scarlett, she has the flyer for the month of April. And so some things that are coming up, we, this, this coming Friday is Passover. So instead of Bible study, we will be doing Passover. If you have not signed up, please do so. There's a, there's a sign-up sheet as to who's coming in your party, however many, and then also what you'd like to bring or how that you would like to don donate towards, towards that. It's a great time. Bring the children. They have so much fun. I know it ends up being a late night, but they can endure, and it'll be a good time. Uh, they're, they're, you know, we've noticed that for Passover, really, even the youngest ones, their attention is pretty good. So they really hang in there. We have a good time. Unless you're like Paris. That might be a little too little, but I don't know. We'll see. She's so cute. She's enjoying church because she gets to come and eat all kinds of stuff. All right, so um, uh, that, so that's coming Friday. Let me see this. Let me see it here. If there's anything else, oh yes, there is coming up. Uh, there's training the prophets uh, and ministers that's coming up April the 21st to the 24th. So please sign up. And if you here at the church have not signed up, that you're coming because if you join our church, if you're part of a membership here at the Spirit of Prophecy Church here in Plano, there's a special price for you. So make sure you sign up to come. Um, you know, specifically since. You've got this right here for you to get trained to be a minister. It's important to do that. And that will be April the 21st to the 24th, and I encourage you to do that. You can go to prophecyclub.com online and sign up or traintheprophets.com. If you go to Train the Prophets, start watching the, the videos and also subscribe. I just encourage you to do that. And then you can click on like, share, and subscribe. That really helps me out a lot. Uh, so another thing that's coming up on May the 15th. Make sure I'm getting that right. Uh, this is the wrong flyer, so I don't need to hand these out. So the May the 15th, that's a Saturday, we're going to have Church in the Park. It's going to be a fun time. It is at a different park that we usually go to. What does that park say on there, Barbara? What's it say, the name of that park? 
Windhaven's Middle Park. Pretty, can you take this? That, that, you don't need to hand those out. That's done. Uh, so maybe I have it on here. I do have it here. Okay, Windhaven Middles Park. This is different than the one we usually go to. So the last five, six, seven years, however many, we've been doing it a long time, maybe ten years, we've been going to a different one. I won't even say the name so that they can get in your head. So you can, you can remember, go to Windhaven Meadows Park. It's 5400 Windhaven Parkway. There's a pavilion there. That's where we meet. Uh, it's reserved for us. And we're going to praise the Lord with our praise and worship and, and wake up the neighborhood. It's always a fun time to do that. I uh, have a barbecue, and there's a sign-up sheet for those of you that are going to come. You know, and it's a beautiful playground area for the kids. Leslie, have you been there? I've heard it's a, I've heard it's a nice, nice facility. And they said the bathrooms are great, so that's awesome. I said, are they always have? I said, I said, do they always have toilet paper? She's always. I'm like, okay, I'm holding you to that. <laughs> and they have good signs on them. Okay, then you know. <laughs> That's good for you, Barbara. That's good to know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, that, that's kind of an inside joke for our training. <laughs> so, I won't tell them, Barbara, that you went into the men's bathroom. Oh, <laughs> that just kind of slipped out there. Sorry. <laughs> so we started. We were teasing. We started calling her Bob. Bar Bob. You know. Anyway. All right, so I think you can hand those to your, um, uh, here, hand those to Freddie. Freddie, can you hand those out there to everybody for me? Appreciate that. Um, we'll go ahead and get our service started. We're going to stand and pray because we're waiting on Chris to get here, and then we'll have two birthdays. So get prepared to bring your cash. Empty out your wallet for two birthdays here in just a minute. The kids love to come to this church. They get cakes and they get presents. I mean, if they come one time a year on their birthday, you know, hey. Now they enjoy. So get your get your cash out, credit cards, check. No, just get it prepared. All right, let's stand. Let's pray and get our service going this morning. Let's raise our hands and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Trinity, you're welcome here in this place. Lord, I ask that everything be done decently and in order. And I ask also, Lord, that you would hear our prayers and that you would answer our prayers. Lord, the world seems to be so unstable, but you are our stability. You are our hope. It's in you that we trust. And, Lord, we can keep that joy, keep the joy of the Lord because of you. You are the joy of our salvation. So, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that those that are watching online, those that are here, if they have a need and they're crying out to you, especially during the praise and worship time, they're crying out to you with that need, that you would answer. Answer that call. Answer it right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, those watching and also those here, if there's any that have any kind of infirmity among them, in the name of Jesus, we command that spirit of infirmity out of them right now in Jesus' name. Out of them and command it to go. And not come back in Jesus' name. Lord, there's those that are asking for financial support. They're asking for financial increase. We ask right now that the favor of the Lord would be upon them. 
The favor of the Lord would come down and touch them right now in Jesus' name. That they would be the ones that would, they would get the raises. That they would be the ones that they'd find favor with instead of attacks coming their way. And Lord, we just speak this across the globe. Those that have a need that they are needing some kind of financial support, they're needing financial increase, that you would see that they're the ones that there's favor. Even in the countries, Lord, even in the countries where it's another God they serve. Lord, those that serve you, it is time. It is time now, and we know it's time, that we are the head and not the tail. And we're the ones with favor instead of not having favor. And we just declare it, we decree it in the precious name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. You receive that? Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. All right, so where's Chris? (laughs) He's at home still. No, he's actually doing an errand for me, but can you just... Should we go ahead? I guess I'm going to have to, Leslie. Okay, so Genesis, come on up here. Enzo, come on up here. All right, you can go down there. All right, let's get some appreciation for Scarlett, our helper today. One on one side. Come over here, Enzo. So, um, Enzo, how old are you going to be this week? I'm four. You're four. Wow. I remember when you were born. Yeah. Yeah. The big boy. And Genesis, how old are you going to be? Seven. And your birthday's when? April 14th. So her, his birthday is the 13th on Wednesday, and hers is the 14th on Thursday. I did get those days right, right? All right, praise God. So what do you want for your birthday? Uh, a, so- a soccer ball. <laughs> Only a soccer ball, that's it? Wow, you're getting off easy. What do you want for your birthday? A race car. Ah, there we go. There we go. Like a like a Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari, maybe. Ferrari. Ferrari. That's what he wants. I think that's your name. That namesake. Amen. Do what? Oh, I think he wants the actual car. Yeah. Can Can Glammy drive it? Watch out, folks. <laughs> I can fit in his little one right now, as a matter of fact. Yes, he's putting his request. So where are we at? Do we want to go ahead? All right, so sorry. Chris is missing this. So I hate this. All right, let's sing happy birthday to Genesis turning seven, correct? And then Enzo turning four. Ready? So here we go. Happy birthday to you two. Happy birthday to you two. Happy birthday, dear Genesis and Enzo. Happy birthday to you. Run up here with your money. Throw it at their feet. Okay, get a little closer so you can give, grab your money. Stand right here. Come here, darling. Stand right here so you can grab it. Got to hold on your money. <laughs> Got it all? Okay. Woo, there you go. Looky there. That's a lot of money. Can we go shopping later? I need some new shoes. I'm kidding you. <laughs> all right. Looky there. Maybe turn that fan down a little bit. Blowing their money. There we go. Looky here. Oh, man, I think the favor of the Lord has come in this place. What do y'all think? 
Y'all feel like the favor of the Lord has come in this place? Okay, you dropped a little bit, honey. There we go. Thank you, honey. Thank you. All right. <laughs> thank you, guys. Can y'all say thank you? All right, tell everybody thank you, okay? Can you say thank you? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's pray over there, my Dear Holy Father, I just thank you so much for these two. Lord, I pray that they grow up in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord. Lord, I ask that you just bless them and keep them safe. Bless them, Lord, in all their days of their life, and that they would serve you all the days of their life, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you for these children. We know that they're a blessing, they're inheritance of the Lord. And so, Lord, they'll have, long, they'll have health and they'll have, um, uh, live a long, healthy, prosperous life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, go enjoy. All right, you better put that in your pocket before your dad gets here. Amen, hallelujah. All right, now that you've given all your money away, it's time for offering. <laughs> well, you know, so yeah, dig deeper. <laughs> all right, so you may be seated, but it is time for offering. Um, so, uh, Tony, could you come up here and just talk about offering for me for a second? And when you bring your offerings uh, to your right, the blue bucket will be uh, the church offering. And to your left will be the red bucket that's for, for Missions Honduras. Actually, I'm going with Tony and also Lou and Sunhi and also Sharonda and Brandon and then also a lady from uh, Houston area, Linda. We're going to be going to uh, Honduras. Hey, say it right. Honduras. Honduras. <laughs> So, yeah, okay, so Honduras. I mean, I'm trying to roll my tongue. I've never been able to do that. I'm going to get it done. Anyway, so we, we are going in on May the 2nd, May the 2nd to the 11th, and be pleased be praying for us. But also, if you'd like to donate towards that trip, you can donate to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. Just put on there what it's for. And I'm going to let you talk about, uh, excuse me, Honduras. We wanted you to talk about taking up an offering. What would it mean to have an offering be brought to the storehouse? Amen. <laughs> Give, and it shall be given unto you. Isn't that amazing? You can never outgive God. And the good thing is that when you give, you blessing. You see, there's a lot of, some, sometimes we get preachy, you know, some people, and they start going, oh, well, in the New Testament, you don't have to. Yeah, exactly, you don't have to. You don't have to. But, as you don't have to, <laughs> he doesn't have to, you know. So, is give, I mean, that was Jesus. He said, give, and what? It shall be given unto you. So as you give with your heart, why? Because you love him. Not for anything else. Not that you want to do anything. You, you just love him. And by faith, you take that money and you put it there. You know, you not think, oh, the Lord's going to give me twice. Probably he will, and even more. But you give it because you love him. Okay? That's the big thing. So, reach down and say, Lord, I want to give you this. And 
for the Honduras. You know, Honduras, we're gonna, there's going to be a lot of souls saved. Amen. So you want to be part of that? Help. <laughs> Help, and you're going to be part of it. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Lord. All right, so you can just bring your offerings to the storehouse. When you do a prophetic act, we bring it up and lay it at the apostles' feet, or we put it in the baskets here at the storehouse. Thank you. God bless. gets lower every year. <clears throat> Lord, I know too many times in my life, Lord, I have had a stingy attitude toward giving to you, and I repent of that, as I have many times. Too many times I calculated instead of just giving from the heart. But Lord, it is, as you have seen, it is a pleasure. It's an honor to give to you. And once we passed that point to where we're no more testing you, but we know that we can have our faith in you, we know that when we give to you, that you return it, press down, shaking together and running over, that you cause men to give unto us. You fix the water heater, you fix the leaky roof, you fix the fact that the boss won't give you a raise. You cause people to give to us because we give to you, to your people, to your causes, as the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. It is our pleasure and our honor to give to you. We ask that you would receive these gifts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we can never outgive you, Lord. You always, Lord... You always give us a lot more, Lord, in protection, in blessings. Lord, there's so much you, you give us, Lord. Our whole life is yours, Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for everybody that gave with a whole heart here, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you keep, keep them and protect them and bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hmm? Do you take those? All right. Does anybody know what time it is? What what time is it? What, I'm sorry. I, I can't hear you. Can you speak up a little bit? What 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 time is it? Oh, I think I heard someone out there say. I think they said praise and worship. Right? Let me ask you guys over here. What what time is it? Praise and worship. I I barely heard you. One more time. Praise and worship. Okay, I got it. Well, it's a good thing I'm up here then. Let's go ahead and stand up and spread out. It's time for praise and worship. Hallelujah.
Let's start that over from the beginning so I can hear it. You have to turn the volume back up off the computer on the program. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. You are worthy and worthy to be praised. We worship your great and mighty name. Let it be a sweet sound into your ear. We praise your glorious and mighty name, Jesus. Who is the 
side or that side. 
Don't be ashamed anymore for this small place. Don't be ashamed. God moves in this place. God moves in this place miraculously and powerfully. And it's time that we get a different vision, a different outlook. If all in agreement say yes and amen. Amen, 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 amen. That's right. She says, out of the mouth of babes, you have to keep crying. Thank you, little prophet. Thank you, little prophet. I will let you borrow my mic. I'll receive it. Thank you so much because it's uh, unusual, right? Okay. So the words I receive, I, I feel like this is what I got, is the, it's after what she said, okay? And then it came into my head. That was after that. I said, okay, Lord. All right. So she already talked about the wagon and the people and leadership, okay? We need to come out of our comfort zone. But Lord wants to remind all of us, either personally or corporately, is it's not about our ministry. Right. It's not about our names. Right. It's not about our anointing. Exactly. Right. It's for his glory, yes. his kingdom, and his purpose. Yes. So don't forget that in your heart. Anytime things rise up in us, about it's ours, it's not, it's his. Is his. So he just wants to remind it, encourage all of us to do what you're called and to be who you are for him and him only. That's when he moves. That's when he'll show up with the power and might and healing and miracle and deliverance because it's his only. That's when he comes. Okay, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, that is so right. That's why there should not be any more shame, no more confusion, nothing about whether we should bring someone to this ministry. This ministry should not be anything because God is in charge. Amen. Amen. He's the leader, the ultimate leader. God bless. Now you know why Lou says that the voice of God in his home has a Korean accent. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. All right, thank you. Let's make people pay for staying while y'all are up here. Pray for you. Dearly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the message that you've laid on the heart for this man of God to bring. We ask, Lord, that you anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Lord, we just declare a message that the hearers are going to hear, that they all have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. It's so important that we hear and then become doers of the word and not forget the message. I, come author- I take authority over the dumb, deaf spirit to try to keep people from taking the message outside the doors. Amen. It will be spoken about all week long, and we Amen. declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy? For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And today we say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and open the seals thereof, because you were slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength 
and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all of us here in the room and online say amen. 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 In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, show us the deep and secret things. The deep and secret things of Palm Sunday, of what you did on this day some 2,000 years ago. Give us revelation knowledge. Help us to understand the marvelous work that you did in Jesus' name. So how would you feel if you knew you had four days to live? How would you feel if you knew that in four days not only were you going to die, but you would be criticized and ridiculed and mocked, your beard pulled out, nailed to a cross, laughed at, made fun of, and experienced the most painful death in human history? How would you feel if you're four days from that kind of a death? On the 10th of the month, that's exactly what Jesus did. But this was planned from before the foundations of the earth. Along when the Father gave the Son the book of life, before the words were said, let there be light, before there was creation of the earth, Jesus had already made an agreement. He already knew that Adam and Eve were going to eat the fruit and fall. He already knew that he would be riding that foal into Jerusalem on the 10th of that month of Aviv. He already knew he would be nailed to the cross. He already knew this, and yet he'd agreed to it. Why? For me and for you. And like Barb said this morning, yeah, I found Jesus in a bar. <laughs> Jesus knew he was about to be killed. Four days. He had four days to death. And now with that understanding, we're going to look at some things he did this morning to help us understand. Yes, the world calls this Palm Sunday. But what it really was is preparation for the great victory. See, the devil thought that if he would be able to kill the son, then he would be able to seize on his inheritance, so says the parable. But Jesus saw it differently. He saw it as a great victory. The victory, this is victory week. That's what this week is. In terms of victory, I'm walking to see if the internal revolution will start this week. I'm looking to see if there will be another great victory this week by putting down the devil. But this week, on the 10th of Aviv, as Jesus was riding that donkey into Jerusalem, as the throwing palm leaves in front of him and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, believing that Jesus was their king coming in to lead them out of bondage of the Romans, but they did not understand he was riding that foal to his death. He knew it. They didn't know. They thought he was going to be their new king to overthrow the Romans, but he was going to be the new king to overthrow the devil. This is our great victory week. 
It's really more than just Palm Sunday. It's not about just leaves being and branches cut down from the trees and thrown in front of the mule that Jesus was riding into town. It's our victory. You remember that time in your life when you said, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. I've made a mess of my life. But if you'll give me another chance from here on out, I'll read your book. I'll follow your book. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, I remember those were the words I said. It's because what Jesus did on this day, on the 10th of Aviv, some 2,000 years ago, that we could say that. We could have another chance. That we could have our sins washed away. Palm Sunday. Now, you're looking at a picture of Jesus riding the foal of a donkey into Jerusalem. And they're throwing palm leaves down in front of him. They think that their great king has arrived, and he has. But he's still a lamb. He's going in there as a lamb. He's not going in as king of kings and lord of lords. He is not king of kings and lord of lords, not until he goes to the marriage supper of the lamb where they bring him before the Ancient of Days and they give him dominion and glory and a kingdom for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. Then will the clay, the iron, the silver, the gold, the brass become as the chaff of the summer threshing floor and the wind carried them away and there was found no place for them. And the stone that the builders rejected becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth with his glory, with his life. This is the Lamb of God. He's walking in there. I'm sorry. He's walking in there knowing. He's riding in there. Knowing he's about to give his life. For a ransom for all. He's about to do the most difficult thing any human has ever done. He gave his life. No one took his life. He willingly. Later, he could have called 10,000 angels. It only took one to kill 185,000 Philistines. He could have called legions of angels. But he didn't. He was going to lay his life down. At that moment, look at that moment. At this moment right here, they're rejoicing. Hosanna, Hosanna, Lord God to the mighty, to the highest. They're thinking that their king has arrived. But the lamb is what has arrived, not the king. He's not the king yet. But because he became the lamb, he's going to become the king. Leviticus prophesied, it says, And you shall on the first day the boughs of the goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. This is actually in the 15th day of the seventh month, which is, see if I put my chart in here, this is actually on this day, on the 15th day of the seventh month. Let me back up. On the 15th day of the seventh month, after you've gathered the fruit of the land, you will keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. And on the first day of the Sabbath, on the eighth day shall be the Sabbath, you shall take down branches of palm trees. So they thought that this was the attendance or the return or the deliverance of the great king. That's the, they thought it was here. They misunderstood. Actually, it's here. It's on Passover. 
actually is not even Passover yet. This is on the 10th day of the month. Passover doesn't take place till the 14th day of the month. This is four days before because Exodus says you're supposed to take a lamb and, and put it up for four days. Well, that just happened to be exactly four days before he was crucified. He's crucified on the 14th. He's walking in on the 10th. As he's riding in this foal right here, right there, no one realized that that was fulfilling this prophecy right here. They, 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 let me rephrase. They, they didn't realize that it's fulfilling the prophecy that they are to take up a lamb four days before they kill the lamb. This is four days before the lamb is killed. So, you should keep the feast unto the Lord seven days. There should be a statute forever in your generation. You should celebrate it in the seventh month. You should dwell in booths. This is what all of this leaves was all about. They misunderstood. They, got, they were thinking he was coming as king of kings and lord of lords. He was coming as the lamb of God. Amen. They misunderstood. Actually, what he was fulfilling is this prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just, having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass. Upon a coal, the foal of an ass. So they were thinking it's the fulfillment of this where he's coming as king of kings and lord of lords. But they didn't understand he's coming now at just, yes, that's true, salvation, yes, that's true, but lowly, not as king of kings and lord of lords. He's coming as a lamb. He's coming to give his life for the ransom, ransom for Stan Johnson and all the rest of us, right? All the rest of us have found Jesus in a bar or wherever we found him. And of course, like, I like what Dan Bowler said when we were, had Prophecy Club meeting in Omaha. He said, how many of you found Jesus? Can I see your hands? Of course, everybody put their hands up. He said, no, you did not. He said, he tackled you. He hogtied you. and He drug you into the kingdom. Now that you've had a second to think about it, that's exactly right, isn't it? Everybody went, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's right, that's right. We don't choose Jesus. He chooses us. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except the Holy Spirit draws them, right? Because we, he has already written our name in the book of life from the foundation of the earth. Before he said, let there be light, he already had our name in it. I know, I know. What an awesome God. What an awesome God. So, here's the picture. So as they drew nigh to Jerusalem, and they were at the Beth Pods under the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples and said, I want you to go into the village over against you. I want you to, you're going to find an ass tied and colt with her and loose them and bring them to me. Okay, that would be kind of like saying, look, I want you to go into town and you're going to find a car open. The keys are going to be in the glove box. I want you to drive that car over here and pick me up. I mean, that should have been a, a real confirmation right there. This, this, give this guy something special. Okay. <laughs> sure enough, you arrive, the car's exact same color, same license plate. You look in the glove box, there's the keys. You start it, it starts. You drive, that's, that's the way we would say it today. So he already knew. Now, what, isn't that stealing? He, he owns cattle on a thousand hills. No, it's not stealing. Probably. Lord had already spoken to the owner of that particular foal at the time. 
It'll be gone when you go back. You know, we probably. I remember Dimitri Dudeman said one time he was invited to go in and speak, and he said we arrived at the airport, arrived at the hotel, got checked into the hotel. We just set our suitcases down in the hotel room, and there came a knock on the door, and they said, "I'm sorry, but uh, you're not going to be speaking here now. They've decided not to have you speak." and uh, you're to get out of the hotel room right now, they're not going to pay for it. So they had to pick up their, you talk about a rejection, had to pick up their suitcases, they walked out to the front part of the hotel, you know, in the little area where you go into the hotel, and about that time a car pulls up, window rolls down, guy says, the Lord told me you guys would need a ride. That's our God. Here, he took care of them. Uh, you're going to find an ass tied there. I want you to bring them to me. And if he said to you, hey, man, what you doing? You just tell him that the Lord has need of them. All this is done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee with meek, sitting on an ass, colt of a fold and ass, which is this prophecy. Okay, So this is prophesied probably, I don't know, hundreds of years before. So he gets the ass. Disciples went and did as Jesus commanded, brought the ass's colt and put them on clothes and they sat there on and the very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. See, they're fulfilled. They, they are thinking he's king of kings. He's not king of kings. The prophecy said he's coming lowly. He's coming for salvation. He's coming as the lamb of God. But they didn't understand. I'm glad we never misunderstand prophecies. <laughs> Lord help us. <laughs> the multitudes went before that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna the highest. King of kings, right? Wrong. And he went coming to Jerusalem. All the city was moved, saying, Who is this guy? That people are throwing blankets down in front of the coal and they're breaking off branches and throwing them down in their way. The way we would do it today is we'd maybe throw rose petals, okay? Multitudes, oh, well, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, the Galilee. Yeah, but much more than a prophet, right? Jesus went into the temple of God and cast them out. So now what's he doing here? Wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're trying to be accepted, why would you go into the temple? Okay, so this is the people that rule in those areas. Today, we would probably send them into the White House or to the, to the Capitol or the Congress. And so instead of going in and trying to be friends, instead, what does he do? You might say, well, he's stirring up trouble. Actually, he's trying to bring righteousness. He is the son of righteousness, king of righteousness. So he went in and he cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers. Today, we call them the deep state. The Khazarian Mafia, the Moloch and the Baal worshippers, okay? These are the people that worship Satan secretly, and they, they were serving Satan, and they hated the Son of God coming in. So they overthrew the money changers. Who are the money changers today? International bankers. See what I'm saying. And the seats of them that sold doves. Said, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. So this is in the temple. They're in the temple. 
He's still ha- healing people. The blind are coming to him. He's healing them. So he's kicking out the Moloch and Baal worshipers, the deep state, the Khazari mafia, whatever you want to call them, the international bankers, the people that steal from people, the people that unfortunately ruled the church in those days, what we would call them. We don't have any people in high places in the church today that served Lucifer, do we? No. Vatican. No, no, we don't have anything. Same thing going on, right? Same thing. Do you see how the same thing? He's healing the blind and the lame. When the chief priests and the scribes saw these wonderful things he did, they rejoiced. They asked him to come in to be their leader, to come in to preach and to teach in their synagogue. No? But that's what they should have done. So just as today, evil was in leadership. Okay? So they saw this, the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna, the son of God. They were sore displeased. They were angry. Why? Because they wanted the glory. They wanted the worship from the people. Yes? Do we see any people in church leadership today that really want people to worship them? And he said to them, Hearest thou these? Jesus said unto the yea, Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings how has perfected praise? In other words, the children were praising and worshiping him correctly. And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. When he was come to the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him and he was teaching and saying, Now understand, now we're probably three days to his death. Okay? So he's, he knows it's coming. Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one thing. If I will tell you, if, if, which if, if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Why are they asking him, by what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? What authority is he talking about? Authority to heal or authority to kick out the money changers? Yeah, I didn't like the healing, but they wanted to know who gave the authority to kick out the money changers? Who gave you the authority to kick out the international bankers? Who gave you the authority to kick out the co- Congress, 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 Congress? See what I'm saying? It would be like today. Who gave you the authority to kick out the president, correct the Congress and the Supreme Court? Who gave you the authority to clean out the evil in those places? So if you're, you're connecting what I'm saying. Who gave you this authority? So, all right, I'll tell you what. If you'll tell me the baptism of John, whence was it? Was it from heaven or of men? They reason themselves saying, well, if we say from heaven, they're going to say, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as the prophet. You know, that's kind of like today. I mean, our Congress does all of these evil things in secret. Why? Because they fear the people. Same thing. This is funny how it's a parallel, isn't it? They answered Jesus said, uh, well, we cannot tell. And he said to them, well, neither am I going to tell you what authority I do these things. Now, at that point, Jesus could have said, I'll tell you how I have the authority because I'm the son of God. But he was to come lowly. Not as king of kings yet, not a lord of lords. He was to come lowly as the lamb of God. 
He was going in to be crucified, knowing it. Now the parable of the two sons. Ask yourself, why did he give this parable? Why now? Okay, so he just kicked the money changers out. What do you think? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go work in my vineyard. Now what does that mean? What's the vineyard? What's the difference between the vineyard and the wheat fields? He didn't send him into the wheat fields. What's the wheat? Those washed in the blood, that's the wheat. What's the vineyard? See, I don't think that when Jesus, I don't think when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, I don't think it was an apple. We've talked about that. I think it was a grape. Throughout the Bible, if you look up grape, wine, vineyard, all of that sort of stuff, it's all surrounded. I mean, like Noah got drunk, okay, caused a problem. Lot got drunk, caused a problem. Okay, so throughout the Bible, wine and drinking and alcohol, all a big problem. So he says, go into my vineyard and work. So he's saying, go into the world. Not to the church, not to the Christians, but go into the world. What did Jesus do? He was a sinner. <laughs> Try again. What? what? <laughs> yeah, well, let's back up and redo that one. What did Jesus do? He was a sinner. <laughs> He was a friend of publicans. He was a friend of publicans. So what are you doing with these publicans and these sinners? If you knew that this woman was a Samaritan, why would you let her wash your feet or anoint you with oil? Okay, so he he said that those people that are sick need no physician. So he went to the people that needed the salvation. He went to, to us sinners like us. He was a friend of us. And I remember as a child, I thinking, well, why is it so many people that go to church? I mean, they're not the best, you know, they're not the quarterback. They're not the winner. They're not the people with a lot of money. It's us common folks. Well, because that's who Jesus is calling to. Just like the example this morning in Sunday school, the Samaritan. By the way, good talk. Good talk from both of them. Good talk. Okay, so. He says to his son, go work in my vineyard. He said, I will not, but afterward repented and went. Then he came to the second likewise. He said, okay, I'll go, but he went not. Whither whither of the twain, which one of the guys, did the will of his father? He said, the first. Jesus said to them, verily I say unto you that the publicans, now who's he talking to? He's not talking to the people that he just healed. He's not talking to the wheat. He's not talking to the people that are accepting him. He's talking to specifically the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. He's talking to the people. He just turned their money changer tables over. He's talking to the Khazarian Mafia, the international bankers, the evil, the the shifty-eyed. They try to appear like a lamb, but in their heart they're the devil. He's talking to the people that are about to crucify him. Look, you know, if someone's about to kill you, that's probably, you know, they say, keep your friends close and your, your enemies closer. If someone's about to kill you, if someone's about to beat you up, that's probably not the time to be a smarty aleck, right? <laughs> but that's what he's, instead, with his righteous indignation, 
with his righteous judge, he is the judge. Instead, he is speaking to the very people that are about to crucify him. Now, you might be saying, you know, that's probably not the right thing to do. Or you could say, actually, he's stirring it up because he knows he's supposed to be nailed to the cross. You may be saying, wait a minute, wait, why would he go into Jerusalem when he knows in four days they're going to nail him to the cross? Because that's the plan from the foundation of the earth. <clears throat> Publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Oh, he's not talking about us. Yeah, they knew he was talking about them. Why? John came to you in the way of righteousness. You believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots? Come on, point your finger at yourself right here. We're publicans and harlots, right? Some of us realize we are, and some of us think, well, and, uh, yeah, well, we've all seen it come short of the glory of God, right? Okay. We're all publicans and harlots believed him, and yet, when we had seen it, repented not afterward that he might believe him. In other words, they knew. Here it is. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't it say here? The next parable it does. So he's still talking to the same guys here. Here another parable. There was a certain householder and planted a vineyard and hedged it about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husband and went to a far country. That's Jesus that came here that died on the cross and gave the, the power and authority to all of his disciples so that all those that use his name, whatsoever you ask in my name, will be given. Okay, that's where we are now. At the time of the fruit due near, that's about right now, he sent his servants to the husband and they might receive the fruits of it. And the husband took his servants, beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent his servants more than the first and they did and them likewise. But last, he sent to him his son Jesus the lamb, saying, Oh, thou reverence my son. But when the husband saw the son, they said among themselves, Ah, this is the heir. Come, this is Satan. This is what he said in his heart. Come, let us kill him, and we will seize on his inheritance. That was Satan's plan to kill the Son of God. Then the kingdom was mine. That was his plan. I got it. I got it. I got it. I figured out wrong. Actually, big mistake. But see, he didn't see it. See, if Lucifer was smart as he thought he was, he'd have never killed Jesus. Mm Mm-mm. He lost the kingdom when he did that. But see, that's what, I mean, like, the, the Khazaria Mafia said to Benjamin Fulford, we have ruled this planet for thousands of years, and we'll destroy it rather than give it up. Same attitude. I'm going to have my way or I'll kill you. And they've done that a lot. This is the heir. Come let us kill him. Let us seize on his inheritance. So they caught him. They cast him out of the vineyard. Now, why does it say cast him out of the vineyard? Where was Jesus crucified? In the city? Outside the city, right? See, so it's a perfect parallel. Cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord there of the vineyard cometh. Now, who's the Lord of the vineyard? It's not the Father. It is the Father, but it's the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what he's saying is, when Jesus returns as King of kings and Lord of lords, not as lamb, when the Lord there of the vineyard cometh, 
What will he do to those husbandmen? He said, he will miserably destroy them, those wicked men, and let them out, and, and will let out his vineyard unto other his husband. I can't read. Which shall render the fruits of their seasons. This is a story. So here he is. He's probably eh, 24 hours away from being arrested. Here he is. He's talking to the very people. They're going to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The same people pull his beard out. The same people authorize his beating. same people authorize him to be nailed to the cross. He's talking to the very enemies of God. He's talking to them, saying, here's the plan. I know what you're doing. Then see it. If Lucifer had understood what he was saying, he would have never killed Jesus. But instead, Jesus had to die. That was part of the plan. But he didn't tell him. So he's going to come back and miserably destroy. Now, what's that miserably destroyed? That's when eternity enters into time. Time rolls back like a scroll. Jesus returns on a white horse with King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's got the two angels with the sickles and the armies of God and us on white horses. We just came from the marriage supper of the Lamb where Jesus has been coming forth and serving us for four months. So he returns and he goes, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, he destroys all of the tares. That's what he's talking about. He will miserably destroy those wicked men. Right? You never saw it this way before, right? Jesus said to them, did you ever read the scriptures where the stone which the builders rejected? That's Jesus. The same has become the head of the corner. What does that mean, head of the corner? Well, some people think that the, uh, the New Jerusalem is in the shape of a pyramid. But King James specifically says four square, so I'll go with that. But head of the corner means, that head of the corner means in the top part of the New Jerusalem, Jesus, being so bright, is the light of the world. And at that time, there's only the earth is a nice round smooth ball. We've talked about this. There's no more mountains, no more valleys, no more sea. Nice round smooth ball, except for there's one mountain on earth. And on top of that mountain, the New Jerusalem is set down. And at the top of that, Jesus is up there. And that light goes all around the earth. The sun's been out 72 hours, never relights again. Literally, Jesus is the light of the world. It goes to the center of the earth. That light permeates everything. We have a light body. We never hunger again, thirst again, die again, sin again, ever. We can drink the water, pure river water, clear, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God on the Lamb. Stone with the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. In other words, this is the stone that's become the head of the corner has filled the whole earth with his glory. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, and given to America, I'm, I'm sorry, given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof, probably America. Name, give me another nation other than Israel that spread the gospel like America has. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. Now this is an interesting phrase. <clears throat> whosoever shall, try to understand this. Whosoever, it's kind of a riddle, it's kind of hard. Whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind to powder. Don't say anything, but if you understand that, raise your hand. 
Yeah, that's what I thought, four or five. Let me explain. Okay, so for just a moment, let's assume that the New Jerusalem is in the shape of a pyramid. And this is one of the reasons where maybe they're right. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, assume it's a, a, a pyramid. So if you fall on the top of a pyramid, you would be broken, right? Because it's sharp, right? But if the pyramid falls on a person, it would grind them to powder. It, there, it's, the, the representation here is that Jesus is the pyramid. Meaning, if you fall on Jesus, if you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, then, yes, you are broken. But if you don't do that, then Jesus falls on you at the judgment, and at that moment, the morning glory hits you and you're turned to powder. So you've got a choice. You can either be broken or powder. I know what, there's going to be new t-shirts come out now. Broken or powder? Broken or powder? <laughs> Broken or powder? Well, what does that mean? And then you quote that verse, right? And when the chief priests and the Pharisees see this is who he's talking to, he's, he's, he's prophesying to them about their plan. He's telling them, I already know your plan, and it's not a good plan. Chief, chief, priests of Pharisees, again. chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables and they perceived that he spake of them. He perceived that he spake to them. They knew, but they didn't know. They heard, but they didn't perceive. When he sought to lay hands on them, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. Now, here's your opportunity. Somewhere around 1,400 people each week watch these broadcasts. And then we have the people in the room. <clears throat> so I like to speak to every person that hears what I'm about to say. Jesus is coming again. It's not a joke. And he is not going to be joking. And when he comes and he blows that morning star down, it'll be too late. They've already passed by the angel flying through the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, saying, Fear God, give glory to him that made heavens and the earth and the fountains of waters. If they've refused that, if they've refused every opportunity to receive Jesus, they will be destroyed. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged dead of those things read of the books according to their works. And the sea gave up to the dead which were in it, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there's only three possibilities for people that have lived. All the way back to Adam. There's only three. Either your name's in the book of life, be it the Jewish book of life or the Gentile book of life. Your name's in the book of life, you get eternal life. Or your name is not in the book of life, you get tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, which is soul death. Or the third one is you take the mark of the beast. Then you're cast into the lake of fire with the beast, the false prophet, and a thousand years later Satan is added to them. And you're tormented with fire and brimstone forever and ever, day and night, with no hope of escape. There is no exit. There is no more repentance. You can't get out of it. Now, what's torment? Try to imagine putting your finger, or you say put your whole hand right over the burner and just holding it until finally your, 
your hand just catches on fire. Try to imagine feeling that all over. That's torment. Torment is unbelievable pain that you cannot exit from. You cannot get out of it. Now, if you're watching, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For you to report to Jesus when you stand up there to get your rewards and also to explain the things that we did do. Hopefully that is a very short sentence. <clears throat> you want to be able to say, I pointed a lot of people to you. One of the ways to do that is to send this out to your friends. Oh, I know, that's not popular in America. You're liable to lose some friends over it. Fine. If you lose friends over trying to get them saved, those are some good friends to lose. <laughs> I might also add that maybe they won't receive Jesus now. Maybe they'll be in a bar when they receive him. Maybe they'll be sitting in a chair having their life falling apart. Maybe they'll never receive him. But by sending this out, the thing I'm about to say here, by sending this out to your friends, neighbors, and relatives that are not saved, if they'll watch this, it will speak to their heart. I was told, I think it was in read a magazine article about it, that Billy Graham reportedly went to Marilyn Monroe only a couple of hours before her death and asked her if she would receive Jesus. And she said no. I also heard that, uh, what's her name? Very famous singer. Drowned in a bathtub. What is it? Yeah, Whitney Houston, that's the one. I heard, I don't know this is true, but I heard that the night before, she was on a dance floor in a bar. I think this is, if it's, it's not exactly correct, forgive me, it's as close as I can remember. But she sang the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. So, if that's true, we can expect to see Whitney Houston in eternity. This could be their chance. Their chance to receive eternal life. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, which was agreed upon before the words, Let there be light, was said. So whosoever believeth in him should not perish, you don't have to die. You don't have to die. You can live forever. But have everlasting life. How do we do it? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. Okay, that's the first thing you've got to realize that if, you don't, if you're not sick, you don't need a doctor. If you don't think you have sinned, and I actually talked to a lady one time, but I don't think I've sinned. <laughs> have you ever stolen anything? No. Well, I mean, you, you, you go through a few more of those questions, eventually she'd say yes. Have to realize we're a sinner. Next is, for by grace you are saved that, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Meaning, getting eternal life is something you can't earn, can't buy it, it's a free gift. All you got to do is just receive Jesus. That's what it says, the gift of God, not of works. Here's how you receive it. 
If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Means you got to say it, you got to believe it. Then there's one more step. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the washing away of your sins. Here's the one more step. <clears throat> Hebrews, Matthew 10, 32 and 10, 33 says, Whosoever confesses me before men, he will also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Whosoever denies me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Which is why Barbara told in her story this morning as soon as she got saved, she had to email someone and tell them. She was very excited because that's one of the things we need to do. See, to the, the people that worship other gods, well, you can deny those gods. But in the kingdom of God, do not, not deny Jesus. You remember when Peter was asked, weren't you one of his disciples? No, 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 I wasn't. He was asked three times. And before the cock crowed, he denied Jesus three times. So when Jesus came out of the grave, had the nail scars and the sword wound in the side. Peter, lovest thou me? Yea, Lord, you know I do. I'm just kind of casual. He said again, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yea, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my sheep. But he made him say it the third time. Peter, lovest thou me? Then he was broken. He said, Lord, you, you know all things. You know that I do. Feed my sheep. Why did he make him say it three times? Because he denied him three times. Now, may I suggest you don't ever deny Jesus. You don't know what you're going to get time or a chance or opportunity to reconfess him. I'm not going to deny Jesus. I'm not going to take that mark of the beast. But I will do this. <clears throat> it's as simple as this. You don't have to have a fancy prayer. You don't have to have five points you got to say to make a prayer to, get, to receive Jesus. Prayer and allegiance here in just a second does cover all of those points, I believe. But it can be as simple as this. I was on the phone to some guy in, I don't know, Pakistan or someplace, who knows where these days, tech support. And you know how they always end the conversation, is there anything else I can do for you? I said, well, yes. Do you have Jesus in your heart? No. <laughs> Came to the right place. So I talked to him briefly. And so I said, he said, so how do I ask Jesus in my heart? And I said, just say, Jesus be my God. It can be that simple. The man on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, I say, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Just simply, so it doesn't take a big fancy long prayer, but I'm going to give you a fancy short prayer. Pray it with me. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess I'm a sinner, and I believe in Christ. I ask you to forgive my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it's as simple as that. If you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, you need to tell someone else that you've now received Jesus. Yeah, emails work, texts work, cell phones work. Tell someone else someplace that you've received Jesus. Also, if you believe what we're doing here, let me encourage you to become a ministry member. 
That means you're not just a wandering generality out there. Yeah, well, I mean, I listen to a program from time to time. Once or twice a year I go to church. and Once in a while I listen to a radio program. And maybe I'll even crack my Bible once in a while. In other words, how about if we say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the path. I'm not going to go through the broad gate and the broad way anymore. I mean, the Bible says, wide is the gate. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, many there be that go thereat. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there be that find it. So maybe what we should do, instead of becoming a wandering generality, to just kind of tip in God from time to time, kind of visiting God from time to time, when it's convenient, say, hey, why don't we get down and get serious with God? Why don't we say, look, I'm going to get serious. From here on out, I'm going to read that Bible, King James, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get involved with building the kingdom of God. That's where you do it right here. You become a ministry member. It tells you how to do that. Also, if you like what we talked about this morning, as I said, I'm going to encourage you to send this out. Send it out to your friends. If you lose a friend over this message, that's not so bad. But the day will come when the Holy Spirit can bring it back to them, saying, you better go back and listen to that message again. What was that email again? And it's also helpful if you'll uh, click subscribe. Father, I ask that you would cause this message to go across the internet and around the world. That people could see and understand the wonderful work that you did by writing that foal in four days before laying your life down so that we could have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayer requests, come on up. Be happy to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you folks online.